And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own benefit. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human form. And being found in the appearance of a human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Bill, uh, Bill Rice, Brother Rice, our elder, has already welcomed us at the start of the, the worship service this morning, but I want to double that welcome up uh, in case uh, some people missed his. Uh, we are grateful to have you, visitors. We're always grateful to have you, and particularly on this day when many are out already for the holiday. Thank you for joining us. It's a cold day outside, but it's a warm day inside, and we're going to study the book of Philippians. If you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and be turning to Philippians chapter 3. That's where we're going to spend our time uh, this morning. Visitors, we have a time of fellowship right after this worship service. Hope that you'll join us for that and then maybe stay for our Bible classes as well. We would love, love, love to have a chance to get to know you. Amen. Confident. Are you confident? Seems like the whole world is filled with messages about how you can be more confident, how you can be more confident at your work, how you can be more confident in your relationships, how you can be more confident as you go about trying to improve your position relative to the people around you. That confidence, being confident, that is the key. We hear those messages all the time. And that word stuck out to me when I was preparing this lesson. Paul says, I want to talk to you about my confidence, what it is that makes me confident. Now, he talks about the fact that uh, though he was in the past a person who was loaded with things that would give him confidence, that now his confidence resides in an entirely different place. He says the people today who cling to what he used to believe in, who cling to the outward works of the law of Moses and use that as a reason to keep Jesus at arm's length. He said, those people are going to do damage to you. Don't let them come near you. Beware of them because we, the Christians, are the true circumcision. He says it this way, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. 
Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have a reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law of Pharisee, for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. And then here's the killing verse, verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. That is an amazing passage. Paul says, there will be false teachers who come and tell you that your salvation is not good enough unless you also go back and do the external works of the law of Moses. They'll say, if you aren't circumcised, if you don't keep the law, that all of what Christ has done for you is going to be of no avail. And Paul says, whoever those people are, I outrank them if we're going by strict fleshly measurements. I'm more Jewish than the most Jewish person who might come to you and preach a Christless Judaism. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I'm trained by the Pharisees. I persecuted the church. I was so zealous. And no one, no one, no one, though I was in the public eye, no one could find fault for me publicly under the law of Moses. If anybody has reason to be boastful, if anybody has reason to be confident, it's me. And I take all of that confidence and I throw it away for the sake of Jesus Christ. That is a powerful statement. I think Paul still has in his mind the passage that he wrote in the preceding chapter, the passage that we read at the start of this sermon, the story of who Jesus is and what he went through in order to gain his throne. Jesus had equality with God. He had heaven. He had all of those blessings. And he emptied himself of all of that to come down and be here with us. And because Jesus Christ was obedient to God, even to death on a cross, God now has exalted him and raised him up. With that message in mind, Paul is able to say, and so the little things that I've given up, being a leader among the Jewish nation, being a Hebrew of the Hebrews, being having all of these external marks uh, that would mark me out as a person of status and position among those non-Christian Jews. He says, I don't need any of it if I can just have Christ. That's a powerful message. Because Jesus gave up his throne in heaven for us, we can be confident enough to give up our little thrones for him. Paul says, those little, those little places of power that I had, I don't need those if I've got Jesus Christ. I don't know how many of you are Rodgers and Hammerstein fans. I am a half fan, but I will say that I've seen The Sound of Music feels like a million times. 
And there's one song that kind of came to mind as I was preparing this sermon, and it was Maria's song as she approaches the new job where she's going to take care of all of these apparently quite unruly children. The song is confidence. It's about confidence. Now, historically, the actual real person, Maria von Trapp, was a deeply religious person. Everything we know about her indicates that her confidence would come from her faith in God, at least to a large degree. But Rogers and Hammerstein take a different tack when they talk about what, what was the pep talk that Maria was giving to herself. I'm not going to sing it. Uh, so, you know, you got that to be thankful for today. But she says this, with each step I am more certain everything will turn out fine. I have confidence the world will all be mine and they'll have to agree. I have confidence in me. All I trust becomes my own. I have confidence in confidence alone. Besides, which you see, I have confidence in me. Where's your confidence? Now, don't get me wrong. Paul had lots of confidence in himself. And God actually has more confidence in you than you have in yourself. God is not opposed to you having confidence, to saying at least some of the things that Maria says in the Rodgers and Hammerstein's treatment. God wants you to be a confident person, confident in your own abilities, confident in the gifts that he's given you, and confident to strike out and do things for God. God wants all of that. It's just that confidence in confidence alone or confidence in yourself is never going to be enough. We aren't enough. Whatever abilities you have, whatever intellect God has blessed you with, whatever position and money and power and glory and good looks or athletic ability that you've got, great, give thanks to God for that, use it to the full, but it's never going to be enough to give you actual confidence. It will always let you down if that's the only place you have confidence. Paul says, all of those little places that I could have set up my kingdom and protected it against all comers, setting myself up as a little king of the hill and, and beating down those who tried to take my status in the Jewish world, take my status in the Pharisaic world, take my status away. I could have defended my little throne, but I gave it up to put my confidence where it truly rests in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, God's not threatened by your self-confidence. He's happy for you to have confidence in your abilities. He just wants you to understand you're not enough. And to turn and put your confidence in him and in the saving power of his son, Jesus Christ. The little things that you and I cling to to make ourselves feel safe, the little things that you and I cling to to make ourselves feel important, they will let us down. They are not enough. And our confidence, if it's to be secure, 
can only go one place, and that's to Jesus Christ and what he has already accomplished. I think Paul says several things about that in the succeeding verses here, but I'm just going to point out a couple. Look in verses 8 and 9, if you're following along in your own Bible or on the study sheet. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. And actually, garbage is a pretty nice and tame translation for what Paul says there. Filth. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, or probably more accurately to Paul, through faithfulness of Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faithfulness. Jesus Christ is faithful. I just, Paul says, I just told you the story of Jesus Christ giving up everything so that he could come and faithfully obey what God had asked him to do. And that's where my confidence is. And so these little things that I could put confidence in, I can throw them away. I consider them as trash relative to the power and glory of Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished and the confidence he is able to give me. Paul says something that's particularly interesting. He says, and to be, verse 9, and to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through the faithfulness of Christ. To be found in Christ. To me, that is a reference to this life, but it's also a reference to what is to come. Where does Paul think that his confidence comes from when he stands in front of God on God's judgment day. He says it's from being found in Christ. That also is a profound teaching here. To be found in Christ on God's judgment day is the only place I can rest and be secure. We say the words judgment day, we sing songs about God coming to judge the world. It may actually have kind of lost its ability to, to truly get us to think about what the judgment day of God is going to be like. One of the most descriptive passages I know, I didn't put it on your study sheet, but you can, you can mark it down if you want. One of the most descriptive passages of what it's like to stand when the judgment day of God comes is Revelations chapter 6, verses 15 through 17. In Revelation 6, verse 15, we're told this, the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains, and they called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? 
John, writing this revelation, he sees that it does not matter what kind of human fleshly confidence you've got. He says, it doesn't matter if you're a king. It doesn't matter if you're the richest person around. It doesn't matter what confidence you have in this world when the judgment day of God comes. It is going to be terrifying. So terrifying that you call out to the mountains, now I want you to fall on me. I would rather be buried alive than to face what's coming. How can I have confidence on that day? Well, it's not going to work to stand up and say, yeah, but I went to church a lot. It's not going to work to stand up and say, yeah, but I... I did better than most of the people I graduated with financially. It's not going to work on that day to say, well, I, I voted for the right political party. It's not going to work on that day to say, I kept my looks longer than most people. Those are all things that we put confidence in. None of that's going to help us on the day of judgment. Paul says, what I want on that day is to be found in Christ. Because Jesus Christ left heaven. He left everything in order to come and obey God's command, even being obedient all the way to the cross. And because of that, it's his righteousness that makes me righteous on the day of judgment. If I'm in him, then when God judges me, he looks at me through the lens of Jesus Christ and that's where my confidence is because Jesus obeyed God all the way to the cross we are confident even on God's judgment day of being found in Christ Paul says one other thing he draws one other conclusion look at verses 10 and 11 I want to know Christ yes to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, so that somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Paul says, I want to be like Christ in his suffering, and if need be, in his death, because that's how he won his exaltation. That's what raised him up. And exalted him. And I want to be like him in his resurrection. And so I want to be like him in his suffering. You can have a lot of confidence. Probably nothing in your life shakes your confidence as much as suffering. I can have a very brave face. I can have a very stern demeanor. But when suffering comes, when pain comes, and it can be physical pain. It can be the pain of those who are close to me. It can be familial pain, pain of my family not working the way it should. It can be all kinds of pain. But that makes me question everything. That shakes my confidence. And Paul does an interesting thing here. He says, 
if you're a Christian, if you're in Christ, if you've committed yourself not to your own righteousness, but to the righteousness of Jesus Christ, to the faithfulness that Jesus Christ showed, if you've trusted yourself to him, if you've put yourself in him, then suffering can become something different for you. Still going to suffer, we're still in a fallen world. Until Jesus comes to fully restore everything, we're still in a world where suffering happens, but now suffering can have an additional meaning. Now, it's true, when I'm sick, that may just make me mean. Meaner than I usually am. But if in Jesus Christ, even when I'm sick and in pain, I'm able to continue to give thanks and to give praise for that which is good in my life, and I'm able to still continue to give love and kindness to those who are close to me, then I'm imitating a little bit what Jesus Christ did. It may be that I have people in my family who are treating me with contempt or hatred or disrespect. And that pain might make me respond in kind. Well, they've talked about me like that, so I can talk about them like that. They've done that to me, so now I can do to them. They struck me on the right cheek. I turned the other cheek. They struck that one. I tried to turn it again. They struck that one the third time. Now it's on. It may make me lose my confidence, but if because of Jesus Christ's suffering, I'm able, even in that situation, cause pain by someone, and I tempted to take my own revenge, to take my own retribution. And if in that moment, because of Jesus Christ, I can say to myself, no, I'm going to cling to the pattern of Jesus, even in this pain, then in that moment, I am imitating a little bit what Jesus Christ did. I am joining with him in his suffering. Every one of us is going to experience some kind of suffering in our lives and every moment of suffering comes with temptations. And the call, whether your suffering is big or little, whether it is earth-shaking or whether it is small, whether it is because of something happening to you or because of something happening to those that you love, the call is, Imitate Jesus Christ in his continuing steadfast faithfulness. And you can be like Christ in your suffering. And when you're like Christ in your suffering, you can be like him in resurrection too. Because Jesus suffered and was exalted, we are confident that if we face sufferings like Christ, we will be exalted like him. There is a great day coming. There is a day in which the world is going to be judged. There is a day in which you're going to want your confidence to be in Jesus Christ. You're going to want the blood of Jesus Christ marking you clearly out as belonging to him.
if you need to take a step today to make yourself right with Christ, to bring yourself back into his fold, or if today is the day that you want to take on the name of Christ, you want to be known as a Christian, you want to be born again in the waters of baptism, then we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.